How far is your lag today? Wait, it's let's do it far. one more time. <laughs> let, me, let me do it one more time. Okay. One, two, three. That was a little closer. I was like, <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, it was like four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I don't know. I think FaceTime is is lagging. Kind of bad. Thing. I think I think I could stand a little FaceTime. I'm over all this digital bullshit. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I am so fucking done with sitting in my house not looking at people. And what's what sucks is that normally that's all I want to do. Yeah, it's funny how choice is so important and whether or not you enjoy something. <laughs> Isn't it strange? It's like, I all I ever want to do is stay home and watch TV. And now that all I have the opportunity to do is stay home and watch TV, I'm like, I want to go out. I want to see people. I want to perform and, on stage again. And I'm like, God damn it. I can't win. <laughs> I can't make myself happy. Listeners, and welcome to another mini maxi sode of the, my spooky gay family. <laughs> uh, we are we are very excited because we are continuing our series on the haunting of Hill House. We're talking about episode two today. Uh, and all the things we wish we could be doing outside of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do one thing right now, like no holds barred, what would it be? Go to the library. The library. Yeah. No, hmm. I, I like to work there. Oh, that's that's a good deal. I, I can get down with that. I um I actually got really pissed because I wanted to go to the library the other day because I realized that I use um I use a, a an app and I forget what it's called. It's like overdrive or something like that, and it lets you check out digital copies of books from your local library. Um, but to do it, you need a library card. So I had started using it like years ago, literally like two years ago, but I never actually went and got my physical library card. Um, and so just recently we were talking about the haunting of Hill house and I was like, Oh, I wonder if they have an audiobook." and they do, they have an audiobook of the haunting of Hill house by Shirley Jackson. And I, uh, went to use overdrive to book it to book the copy to listen to it. And it was like, oh, please re-enter your library card number. And of course, I don't fucking have it anywhere. And I can't <laughs> go to the library to get my library card number. So I'm like, God damn it. I cannot win with this fucking book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conspiracy. It's a massive conspiracy to keep you from hearing this book. I think Donald Trump's only objective in this was to keep me from listening to The Haunting of Hill House. That's why he became president. That's why he became president. It's why he uh, has stripped LGBTQ people of their rights. It's because he wanted to deprive me of my right to to reading books. <laughs> <laughs> all right, kids. So now that I've ranted about all kinds of non... I feel like I'm a, a, a Republican congressman. Um now that I've ranted about ridiculous shit, let's get right into The Haunting of Hill House. This is episode two. I actually don't, I don't remember the title of the episode. Do you? I don't either. Actually, now that, now that you mention it, I don't think I looked closely enough. Isn't it funny the way we decide we're going to do these things and just decide we're also going to have no idea what the fuck we're doing the entire time? <laughs> that does seem to be sort of the oeuvre of this podcast. Yes. <laughs> oeuvre. I like that. Oh, thank you. What is that French? I believe so, yes. I like French. Um, it is called Open Casket, and it is called <laughs> that for a very good reason. Uh, let's start at the very beginning, shall we? <laughs> we shall. <laughs> so, the first thing we see in the episode, uh, sh 
uh, what's her name? Shirley is in bed. Yeah. And uh, she bolts upright and starts. Uh, she is she is startled awake. Yes. Um, and. She immediately kind of dismisses whatever feeling she was having and goes back to sleep. And we focus in on the clock. And it is what time? 3.03. Ah, <laughs> uh, fucking course. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, my first note in, in my, my show notes is all caps, again with 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently in every, like, I get that 3 a.m. is supposedly the witching hour and, and all that bullshit. But like... I'm like, my God, it is always three o'clock. Can we pick another number just once? Like just once, can't it be like 2.48 even? Like we we'll take like a 12 minute difference. I know. Or like 2.07. It would be <laughs> fine. It's It still adds up to a number divisible by three. Can we just do that? <laughs> <laughs> so it is 3 a.m. and uh, she uh, wakes, she is startled awake. And then uh, you very aptly noted in your show notes that um, this episode is kind of a backstory for Shirley. This is when we get to know Shirley's craziness and life and all the all the fun stuff that goes with it. Yes, this is this is the getting to know you episode for Shirley Crane. And it's quite an episode. It really is like Shirley's got some shit, man. Like she's not she's not fucking around like Steve's was kind of like, OK, this is Steve. Shirley's yeah. is kind of like I'm Steve. She, Shirley is kind of like buckle up, buttercup. Like <laughs> we're going to do some shit. You know, did I say last week that you would be Shirley? You did. And I, this episode that. absolutely proved it. Oh, God. <laughs> this episode, it's like, there is not a facet of Shirley that is not Sam Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wants thanks. to be a mortician, loves cats. The end. <laughs> <laughs> That's all there is to me. That's really all there is. I mean, if she came out and said she loved the Yankees, I'd be like, all right, Sam was typecast in this role. <laughs> She's not the lesbian, though, Theo is, which is disappointing. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you you get what you get and you don't get upset. That's my rule of thumb for this. <laughs> I like that. That works. I still, I don't remember who who we decided I was. I can't remember. Um, I think we just went by birth order, which would make you Theo, I believe. I guess in some ways, yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I'll take it. Listen, I like Theo. I'm definitely the one throwing the Brussels sprouts over my shoulder, if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Which was one of my favorite moments in this episode, is Theo teaching her niece, Shirley's daughter, how to fake eat her Brussels sprouts <laughs> by throwing them over her shoulder. And I was like, bitch, where do you think they're going? Like, yeah, someone's going to have like, to clean those. <laughs> that was my entire thought process. It was like, Okay, so someone's going to go to clean this room and they're going to find just a pile of Brussels sprouts in the corner. And I think <laughs> I think they're going to figure out what happened. Like <laughs> Shirley's having a mental breakdown. She's like, they just keep coming back. <laughs> there were green beans last week. I don't understand it. I'm growing vegetables in my dining room. Um, yes. So I guess that would make me Theo. Uh, especially because clearly... And I will say it again, you are Shirley. I when it when they jumped right into Shirley's line of work, um, it made me realize A, that I should not have tried to eat lunch while I was watching the episode, <laughs> and B, <laughs> that mortician's work is fucking creepy. I mean, anything having to do with death is going to have something of a creep factor associated but with it. But it's not just having to do with death, it's like treating a body like a bag of beans like that's just it, it freaks me out like just to be like yes this is a body and i'm going to do this and i'm going to pull this and i'm going to sew this back together and i'm like this is not something that i could do <laughs> this is a very gory episode for those of you who have not watched it yet <laughs> i don't know if i would say it's gory there's definitely some it's gory there's some it's blood. gruesome some blood. She sews her sister's head back together. Well, yeah, but I mean, there was not really like a lot of like blood or anything. It's not like there's like blood dripping off of it or something like it's just. Gore is, is not. <laughs> gore is not defined by the amount of blood. 
No, but I mean, it's also like it's a it's a it's a corpse. It's not a real person. It's not a real person. It's not a living person. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for any. <laughs> I misspoke. Um, yeah, I was really, really troubled by the episode uh, when it got to. Shirley manhandling her her sister and not just her sister, but like explaining to her like the whole situation with the grandma and like all that like yeah really freaked me out i've and admittedly that is just something that doesn't that i don't cope well with but um yeah i that part freaked me out (laughs) when she's like putting the grandma back together and she's like first we put chemicals in her to keep her her well forever and then they're like sticking the tube in for the fucking uh what's it called the uh, chemical yeah the formaldehyde and the formaldehyde i cannot think of words today i swear to god i feel like i feel like the mother on this show i'm having my quote-unquote <laughs> migraines um <laughs> yeah the the whole thing with with the grandma kind of freaked me out but i i i like the way they tied it into her story later with like how she is able to comfort that little kid about his grandma. And it's because she was comforted by the mortician at her mother's funeral. And, and so like overall, the discussion about death in this episode is in my opinion, very well done. Um, But it can be a lot to handle. Yeah, no, it's a little intense. (laughs) I think that there's something to be said for the fact that, Shirley's view of death is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like majorly fucked up. And I mean, growing up in Hill House, I mean. <laughs> yeah. How do you avoid you know, it? <laughs> how do you avoid that? <laughs> but um, no, the idea that like what she's doing is fixing things mm. was something that she says like a number of times. I fix her. I fix him. Like she says that like a couple times this episode. And it's that kind of like, okay, this is almost death denial, and you're someone who works with dead people every day. So you know, I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it as denial because, in from my perspective, I was like, oh, she has a very healthy view of death, especially because when she had the conversation with her kids about like, where is Auntie Nell now, and like, what are you doing to her, and it's like very honest and frank, but not gruesome and not. You know, whatever. But I, I guess I didn't think about the fact that she does talk very often about fixing them and, and you know, helping them. And it's like, well, they're dead. You, you're not really doing anything for them. What a mortician does is more for the living. Yeah. And I think that that conversation she has with her kids is actually really great. Like in terms of from, mm. from a death positivity sort of standpoint, yeah. I think that it's done really well. Because you've spoken about death positivity before, right? Yeah. When we talked when about we this talked on, about the, death on the death episode. Yeah. Because you actually <laughs> had an interest in being a mortician. I did for a little while, yes. Do you think it's something you still want to do? I mean, I, I really honestly don't know. Like, there, there's a part of me that thinks that this would be a really... The part of me that wants to do something with my life that is helpful to people and and is truly useful says yes. The part of me that mm-hmm. is like, we have mental health issues, is kind of like <laughs> no. Like, are you are you crazy? Yes, I am. Are you crazy? No. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a silly question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it is about? about being a mortician that like drew to it. Cause this is something that really fascinates me. The idea of like wanting to go into that profession. I think it's kind of the idea of one of the things that's talked about in death positivity a lot actually is sort of the need for that ritual when somebody dies and most death, Mm. most death positive People and death positive sort of organizations are really in favor of the family taking care of the body as opposed to handing it off to a mortician. Just. Just because yeah, that's a tough one. 
just because having somebody else kind of do all the things like wash them, put them back in their clothes, etc., etc., it kind of removes you from sort of facing the fact that this person is gone. So the part of me that thinks it's worthwhile to kind of honor the dead by doing those things, sort of very much like what Shirley's talking about. Mm-hmm. And what she does for Nell. Yeah, and what she's doing for Nell. Like, in theory, from a death-positive standpoint, Shirley taking care of her own sister, despite the fact that everybody in the show is telling her is a bad idea, Mm -hmm. is actually kind of a good idea. Because it's it's Shirley getting that closure by taking care of the body herself. And by acknowledging that she is gone. Because the episode starts with her denying it. It starts with Steve calling her and telling her, that Nell is dead and that he had this, you know, premonition of her and that their dad called him and that he was the one who found her and and he has escaped and no one knows where he is. I say escaped because Steve says he likes <laughs> he's like dad snuck out a window and I'm like but why? Your dad's not like No, he's talking run. about Luke. Oh, Luke snuck out yeah, the window. Luke I was very confused. Rehab. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, why did the dad, the dad like called 911 and jumped out the window at Hill House? Like, what the fuck? Who gives a shit? (laughs) He's not on the run. Who cares? Um, That makes more sense. I'm glad you cleared that up for me. Yeah. Let's see what else I'll get wrong in this episode. (laughs) Um, I do think it makes sense. I think it makes sense for the family to participate in washing them and dressing them and maybe like doing their makeup. Although, again, it's like if you're not a skilled makeup artist or hairdresser, I could imagine that you might just end up with your your loved one looking like Bianca Del Rio. (laughs) (laughs) By the by the time you're done, your your loved one is just like, girl, plane is going to (laughs) crash. Um. Yes. So that was that was my experience with Dead Nell. Um, also, something that I uh, one of the first things I noticed when uh, Shirley first receives Nell's body, and it's something I'm like almost ashamed to admit I noticed, is that like <clears throat> when she's yelling at Steve and she's like, "I'm currently elbow deep in our sister's chest cavity," blah 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 blah, and she's like pulling Nell open and like yeah. taking out the bag of her organs. I was like. A little bit embarrassed to have noticed this, but I was like, Nell doesn't have nipples. <laughs> Did you notice? <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I wasn't looking that closely. <laughs> I don't think they thought anyone was going to like notice or that the shot was going to show it. So they just like didn't give the, the dummy the body nipples. Or maybe I just missed it. But like as far as I could see, I was like, I was like, huh, Nell's a freak. <laughs> Her nickname in college was No Nipple Nell. Um, oh, God. Uh, yeah, Nell doesn't have nipples. I wonder if that's significant to the story. I don't think it, it Maybe is. it plays into Shirley's, like, feeding the cats with milk thing. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> that's gross. There's no nipples because there's no sustenance for the cats. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. I don't even know how to respond to that. It's it's a lot to take in. I <laughs> I certainly struggled with it when I when it popped into my mind. I was like, well, how do I address this? <laughs> but I felt like it was necessary. I was like, how the fuck do you not talk about the fact that Nell doesn't have nipples? <laughs> um, so speaking of Nell not having nipples, then we cut into the flashback to their childhood. And uh while we're there, um, you know. It, it Nell is kind of bothering everyone to have a tea party and the mom is like, no, I'm working on the house that doesn't exist. Uh, and then <laughs> Shirley is like, I'm too old for tea parties. And so they decide they're going to go out and play instead. And the mom says, uh, if I flash the porch light twice, it, that means it's time to come home, right? And she makes them all, both agree to it. And they both very adamantly agree to it, which is uh, important later on in the episode. Um One thing I noticed in this flashback is like once we get outside, all the kids are like kind of running around doing different things. Shirley has uh, a camera, a Polaroid camera, and she's running around taking pictures, Um, which, by the way, kind of throws off my sense of like when they are, because part of me is like, oh, it's a flashback and they're kids. So this must be like the 70s. And I'm like, nope, this is clearly the 80s. (laughs) And that's where we are uh, as people today. Um, me being horrified that 
uh, I'm old. And, you know, Shirley is running around taking pictures and Luke is playing with action figures and looking at dead kids. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> my note for Luke in this scene was, if I were Luke, I'd probably be a drug addict too. <laughs> like, <laughs> Luke just has the most fucked up experiences in this. I think Luke has the most fucked up experiences in this house. Knowing what comes later, I'm willing to agree with that. That's and, and probably in like the next episode. I think Theo is next. Is she? Yeah, I think it's Theo next. Well, listen, when we get to Luke, we have plenty to talk about with the dumbwaiter. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the dumbwaiter fucked me up royally. But um, the one thing I noticed and that I was like, oh, sneaky, sneaky haunting of Hill House uh theo is reading the lottery yes she is by shirley jackson <laughs> <laughs> and shirley jackson is of course the author of the original novel that this is all based on the haunting of hill house um and also shirley's namesake oh yeah is there a shirley in the book no no there isn't huh i didn't know that nope shirley is named for the author so wait how many kids are in the book there are no kids in the book. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's just adults? Yeah, it's just adults. Just two? Yeah, we've been over this before. No, we haven't. Yes, we have. The book bears virtually no resemblance to this story at all. Well, we said that you said that it bore no resemblance, but I didn't know that. Because uh, I thought you meant it was just like the family and their moment in the house. I didn't think you meant it was just two people. No, it's much closer to like the haunting. Well, oh, yeah, you said you I do remember you saying that it was like some kind of a sleep study or some shit. It's it's not a sleep study. It's oh, no, it's, a, it's a ghost actually a ghost study. hunting study. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, OK. Listen, I've had a I've had a long week. <laughs> um, so then we 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 pull up to Cheryl oh, out in the woods uh, investigating what I think is a pretty standard part of any household is the cemetery naturally um yeah every house has a don't you all have cemeteries in your homes <laughs> <laughs> i was like i was like what is it with these old fucking houses that they're always like oh in the cemetery it's like why would this house have a cemetery i mean i guess when you have enough land you just don't want to go that far from home at the end is that even legal though in certain places are you allowed yeah. to bury people like on your property I mean, so most of the time, if you have a property that has a cemetery on it, the cemetery is so old that there were no laws governing where you could bury somebody. But like, let's say I bought like a, a 60 acre property. Yeah. Could I put a cemetery on my on my property? If you got the right, like, permits and things. Yeah. Huh. I don't want that. I don't want to <laughs> There's a part of me that's like, I, mean, hey, that's I, don't fine. Want to, I don't want to be buried anyway. So it's like uh, the idea of a cemetery doesn't appeal to me. But the idea of like making a cemetery for someone else to later have to investigate appeals to me. <laughs> so you really like, just want to put up headstones. You don't necessarily need bodies. Yeah, I don't even need bodies. I just want headstones. You're and like I the want reverse someone... of poltergeist. And honestly, I want them to realize that there's no bodies and I want it to be very confusing. <laughs> like one day when I own property, I'm putting real headstones on my property and that like when I die, I will know that I have created chaos for someone in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that is my only desire. Oh, um, yes. And then Shirley finds the cats. Yes, this is a part of the episode I haven't seen, so. You haven't seen it? Nope, I fast forward through this part. Why? Because I know what happens to the cats. I mean, it's not gruesome. <laughs> it's kind of gruesome. Also, they are not dead when she finds them. Yes, I know that they're not dead when she finds them, but like, I don't know, I just... In order to watch the rest of the episode, I just omitted anything having to do with the kittens. <laughs> I'm, this is this is the most lesbianic thing you have ever told me. 
I mean, <laughs> even more so than the fact that I you are a lesbian. Came out, yeah. It's not <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's surprising to me, especially because there's a good scare in this scene. I know. I know that there's a good scare. I did read the synopsis. I just haven't. Well, and the the good scare is that she goes and she goes to take a picture of the kittens and there's like they're in a shed. So it's like they're they're all, you know, they're in a beam of sunlight, but they're all surrounded by shadow and shit. Um, And so when she takes the picture, the flash reveals what looks like a face behind the kittens. Yeah. And she becomes kind of ashen and realizes she thinks she knows what she saw. And so she takes another picture uh, and you clearly see what looks like a face in the wall behind the cats. Um, And she runs screaming. But it turns out that it is just uh, apparently a wasp's nest that was built (laughs) around a Halloween mask. (laughs) And I'm like, which is the thing that kind happens of a all the time. Out. Yeah, I know. I, and they're like, yeah, I've seen wasps build nests around the weirdest things, but this is the weirdest one. And it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> guys, <laughs> I would have, I would have much preferred a real face. Like, <laughs> my God. But I do wonder now because I haven't found any yet. I wonder if there was like another ghost in the shed that I missed that was like in the background. There probably is. Like for those of you who don't know. Mike Flanagan has said over and over again that, like, nobody has seen all the ghosts that are in this. That, you know, you you could watch this 20 times and probably not see every single one that's in on film. So and part of but part of me wonders how much of that is just him, like, tooting his own horn because I'm like, oh, she walks down the stairs and there's like painters there are the painters ghosts. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That's kind of the thing where I'm like, he's like, you haven't seen all the ghosts. And it's like, well, yeah, but what are we calling? Like, are they scary ghosts or are just like some of the like are some of the people there just ghosts? And we're not supposed to realize they're ghosts. They're just people that are wandering around the house working on it. I mean, my understanding is it's it's legit ghosts like you can see through them kind of ghost. I and part of me wants to look up one of those articles that's like the 50 ghosts you haven't seen in the haunting of hill house <laughs> but I don't want to ruin it for myself I want to try and find them so yeah it's, it's like, like a really like weird game of where's waldo but I will say a lot of the time I'm watching so closely because I'm paying attention so that we can talk about it that I'm not looking for like things in the background I'm trying to pay attention to the story well, I'm going to have to rewatch all the episodes again. <laughs> <laughs> rewatch number three, looking only for ghosts, completely ignoring the plot. Have you watched number three yet? I still haven't watched it for, no. for next week. No, I haven't watched it yet. I'm excited to watch it because you said next week is Theo, right? Yeah, I think next week is Theo. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, all right. Well, now we're back to Cheryl and... Uh, now we're kind of at the part in the episode that gets a little a little funky and it's when um it's when Luke goes into rehab. Yeah. First of all, I I love all of our siblings, but I'm not paying $6,000 a month for you to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you know that in advance. Keep your problems to yourself. Thank you. Um $6,000 a month for rehab is fucking insane. It really really is. I mean, and they were they were like, well, let's do the first month and see how it goes. I was like, first month and see how I was like, that's that's my, that's my rent for like half a year. Especially when they're like, we recommend a four to six month commitment. I'm like, wait, what? Like, isn't it supposed to be like 28 days? Like, shit. I know rehab is 28 days. We all saw the Sandra Bullock movie. Like, the, like don't lie to me, queen. Like I know six what months. This- Six months. Yeah, because that's $24,000. Of course they recommend six. They're like, we recommend 10 years. Like, of of fucking course you do. Of course, I do need to point out that they thought he had insurance when they initially, like, signed him up for it. So, like, this is just another good reason for Medicare for all. $6,000 a month for rehab. And they they don't say how much they would have still been paying out of pocket had it not been with the insurance. But I imagine it still would have been at least a few hundred dollars a month. I would have at even least, put it if like, not over a thousand. I was gonna say I probably would have put it closer to like two thousand. Yeah, so, which is fucking nuts. Like that's that's your rent for a month. You're paying your rent to live in a, a, a rehab facility, and it's like I get. 
whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I just get so angry because I'm like, how is anyone expected to be able to care for themselves? Like you're talking about addicts. You're talking about people who probably have financial issues because of their uh, their addiction. How is anyone supposed to pay $6,000 a month to get better? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, Nell does keep saying they have horseback riding lessons, so I'm guessing that this was—I'm <laughs> guessing that this was something of a platinum level, <laughs> like they couldn't have found one on a slightly lower level. I guess they're not. like, nope, six thousand or nothing. Um, one line that really struck me when he's checking into rehab was when she's like, we need a UA, and he's like, a what? And she's like, oh, a urine analysis first timer and it's like who are you talking to you know he's a first timer the family's told you 12 times it's his first time checking in first of all first of all and then he's like well what if what if there's still some blah, blah, blah. and she's like uh it's okay if you're not clean we just need to know how dirty and i was like what the fuck is this conversation who is this woman she doesn't even work here she's just <laughs> some crazy person in the fucking in the fucking uh waiting room who's just like going around calling people dirty she's just a karen <laughs> who wants them to pee in cups yeah she's just she just collects urine from people she she's deems quote unquote dirt she's a she's a pee hoarder <laughs> This is Karen the pee hoarder. My God, I was like, this, there, I was like, there are so many things wrong with what's happening. For $6,000 a month, I want them to at least have been educated on the proper terminology regarding <laughs> substance abuse. <laughs> like, you're not dirty. <laughs> you are not dirty. Um, it's just so strange to me. I'm like, wow, this is a very strangely written moment. Did it strike you as odd? That conversation did strike me as kind of odd, mostly because for for the same reasons that you're saying, it's just it seemed kind of like this doesn't seem like the therapeutic way to discuss this in the waiting room. Like, to be perfectly clear, I've never been to one of these facilities, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but like, it just like, seems strange. It struck me funny. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's like, she's like, these are your brothers and sisters and I need a urine sample like don't you think you could have been like, thank you so much for bringing him in. Like, we're going to get him all settled, bring him to his room, show him his room and be like, listen, now that you're all checked in and, and uh, we have some time away from your siblings, uh, we really need a, a urine analysis. We really sam needed a pee analysis in sample. Yeah. Like it just seems so abrasive and shocking and weird. Like if, if someone was looked at me in front of all of you and was like, we need a urine sample. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, well, buy me a drink. I don't know what to tell you. The, it just, it was a very strange moment for me. That's fine. That's fair. <laughs> that, oh, is that I, fine? It's fine. I give you permission to feel that that was weird. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Um, what The next scene we see is Shirley at dinner with her kid and... Uh, the kid is complaining about the fact that Shirley has told him to make his own Halloween costume. He wants to be uh, Daredevil. Yeah. And she keeps calling him Devil Man. <laughs> and so she gives him like a fake mask that's like just a plain generic white mask. And she's like, you should you should decorate this and make your own costume. And he's like, fuck you, mom. And she, so she's <laughs> so he just like he just writes lame on the mask. Yeah. <laughs> And this is the scene where uh, we see Theo teaching her niece to throw Brussels sprouts over her shoulder, uh, apparently into the void that she thinks is behind her. Um, <laughs> but one thing that struck me funny is that in the scene in the kitchen after dinner, the thing that kind of brings us back to Shirley taking care of the cats is her reaching into her fridge for the milk yeah. To and that reminds her of the milk jar that she used to like use a little pipette to feed her kittens when she was a kid. But I want to talk about what fucking hipster bullshit she's doing getting her milk in glass jars. <laughs> like where the fuck do you get your milk, Shirley? Where? I mean, to be fair, that there is a deli that's like actually it's like three doors down from my house. Don't start with me. You have hipsters there. You have hipsters <laughs> in your little your little 
woodsy town. We just live close to a dairy farm. It's not like... No. (laughs) Do you buy glass jars of milk? I can. But you don't. Well, no, because I go to the grocery store like a normal person and they don't have Exactly. Milk. Shirley is crazy. She buys her milk in jars. She, <laughs> she probably has a fucking milkman. Don't you think Shirley has a fucking milkman? I mean, that's possible. It kind of I looks think, like it. I think it's likely. Who else has milk in jars? I mean, if you want to buy the fancy glass jar milk, you can. Yeah, and you'll pay like $8 a a jar and it's not even a gallon. That can't be a gallon of milk. No, it's like a half gallon. Yeah, and it's probably like $12. Maybe. I don't know. I've never bought. (laughs) (laughs) They're just ruining everything with their glass jars and their milk and their methane farts that are killing the, the planet. You are really mad about that. (laughs) i just like to have something to complain about this is it's been such a long quarantine i like to have something to be angry just cows there's cows Mm. everywhere and they're farting and they're killing us (laughs) (laughs) it's our fault that there's cows i shouldn't even complain um but she, the the fact that she gets her milk in jars kind of leads us to my next point which is something that obviously needed to be talked about which is the fact that uh Obviously, this episode is all about dealing with death and grief. Um, and we kind of see that start with Shirley and the dead cat. She she obviously, one of the kittens is not alive. And so they go to have a funeral for the kitten yeah. that she was giving milk to. Am, am I just like describing your nightmares right now? Yep. It's fine. <laughs> I, can, I can see you tensing up. You look like... <laughs> Sam looks like she's stepping off the water, off the dock into the water with like cuts all over her body and fins surrounding the dock. Like <laughs> I'm, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Um, so they go to have a funeral for the cat and you'll be very sad to note, but it's important to the story. Um, she thinks the kitten is alive and she stops the funeral, but it turns out that there is just uh, a bug. Yeah. Inside the cat. Um, And it is kind of something that, again, it it deals with how she ends up coping with death later because this traumatizes her as it would anyone watching, you know, a living thing crawl out of a dead thing. Um, Especially a dead thing that you cared about. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it kind of explains part of Shirley's reckoning with, with death and why she ends up fixing things, so to speak, because she even brings it up when she talks about Nell. She keeps talking about the she's like, oh, the, the she's been cold and blah, blah, and the bugs and blah, 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 yeah. and the bugs. And it's like, clearly, this is the trauma that she lives every time she's with a dead body. And so that was something that I thought was very interesting. I thought it was a very interesting thing to include in the episode. I mean, again, having never seen this scene, (laughs) (laughs) because um, I don't torture myself like that. Um, Yeah, this could be a pretty torturous episode. Having seen the the return of the bug later on in in the episode. And that's why it's important. (laughs) Is why it's important. But yeah, no, I think that that just hammers home that the whole point of that scare is very much this is her worst nightmare is to see that bug crawl out of there. And it's something I think we're led to believe she is expecting because it is her fear and it happens in a moment of grief. And that's kind of the interesting part, because from here on in the episode, we really start to examine how Shirley is coping with the grief of losing her sister. And I thought it was a really well done examination of of her grief because... Not only is she coping with feeling guilty for not taking care of her sister, but she's also clearly feeling guilty about the death of her mother. And that is obviously uh, pointed out when she sees the the premonition of her mother handing her <laughs> the box of of things. <laughs> with her mother's fucking crazy eyes in that moment, too. It's like- yeah. Well, that calls back to one of the cat moments as well. I know. (laughs) I didn't know if you would know since you fast forward through all of them. No, I do. 
Um, yeah, it it kind of plays with this idea, and and it's something that I I know I wrote down. Um, Shirley's story in this episode really points out an interesting thing about death. And I know that we kind of touched on this in the episode about death, but that was over a year ago. Um, It points out the idea of like, this is called the haunting of Hill House. But when we think about something as a haunting, we think about ghosts and and demons and goblins and, and things like that. But I think that this episode really pointed out that we're not like there's the idea that we can be haunted by death rather than being haunted by the dead. You know what I mean? And it points out how Shirley has led her, has lived her whole life being haunted by death. Wow. That's fucking deep. I didn't think of that. I honestly, like it really struck me because you go through the whole episode watching her reaction to death and everything she does is rooted in some experience in her childhood and some experience that made her afraid of death. And so it's it's like how you were talking about the way she fixes things, she fixes things, she fixes things. And it's because she is haunted by the idea of death because she doesn't understand it and she doesn't understand why it keeps affecting her the way it does. And that I think is probably one of the most important aspects of this episode is to see that Shirley really does not know how to cope with death. Which is surprising considering what she does for a living. And how she helps other people cope with it. Yeah. It's a really interesting idea because there are things that happen to me that are very similar to that all the time. You know, yesterday I was doing a pride uh, pride tea dance and it was obviously digital because we were all social distancing at the moment. Um, and I was hosting a, a, a pride tea dance to celebrate the beginning of pride. And, uh, it was on zoom and the zoom got hacked by Nazis. (laughs) So, uh, they started just like screaming the word faggot and we were playing a video at the time. They started drawing on the video, drawing swastikas and penises and all kinds of like stupid bullshit. But, that is not uncommon. And so it's like everyone was kind of reeling afterwards being affected by this. And I looked at them and I was like, guys, you have to remember, like, this is why we have pride. Pride is a protest. It's not just it's not just being proud. And that is obviously part of it. It's it's a celebration, but it is also a protest. And this is why we have it, because there are still people who do things like this. There are still things like this that happen. And so I'll have the presence of mind to think that, but obviously then I will have been affected by what I saw. So it's like, how do you, how do you bring comfort to others when you can't even comfort yourself? And I actually don't think it's a hard thing to do. I think most of us probably do it because it's part of how we comfort ourselves by comforting other people. I think it's usually a lot easier to comfort other people than it is to deal with what you're what you're dealing with yourself. It's a lot easier to look at somebody else and kind of see their problem and try to help them work through it than it is to try to really examine the problem that you're having. Yeah, you instead of convincing yourself, which can be very difficult because you're essentially having an argument with yourself, you're convincing someone else something. It's like debate team. But I thought that was a really interesting, um, I thought that was probably the most interesting thing about this episode is just the idea that Shirley, Shirley's version of being haunted is not ghosts. It is, it is the idea of like losing people and how she copes with it. And also sort of ghosts. And also ghosts because that is (laughs) the theme of the, (laughs) my God, I have the fucking hiccups. I never get the hiccups. Um, so that does bring us kind of towards the end of the episode. Um, obviously then we have the kind of callback at the end of the episode. We see Shirley kind of after she has the whole experience with Nell and seeing her mother down in the morgue and, um, her mother, her her mother's premonition kind of smiling at her and handing her the box of, of whatever things, um, 
then she goes upstairs and we're kind of led to believe that she has made peace in some in some way with her mother being gone and with Nell being gone. Um, and she walks away in the background of the shot and in the foreground, there is the quote unquote forever house that she's apparently been designing without her mother to finish it. Um, and the light on the porch on the forever house blinks twice, uh, <laughs> which is creepy. Yes. Number one, number two, it is also obviously kind of a, a rhetorical thing, a, a rhetorical action that we are we are led to believe that the house is calling them home, that Nell was brought to the house for some reason, that the house is now calling everyone back. Um, at least that was my interpretation of that moment. No, and I think that's fair, especially since in episode one, we actually see when Nell is at the house, we see the porch light blink twice before she gets off the phone with her father. Does it really? It does. It blinks twice. Oh, I didn't notice. That's a very astute observation. Oh, thank you. um oh i didn't know that oh that's so weird that's so creepy (laughs) well done well done haunting of hill house you did it um yeah it's definitely creepy because you're like ooh, we know what's coming we know that obviously she's had this premonition because she is still in some way attached to the house yeah and now the house is physically calling her back it is kind of cueing into the audience that the you know the porch light blinking twice means that everyone's getting called home and that's where this is all going to culminate obviously but um i i thought it was a nice little touch it was a nice little touch at the end i thought it was a, a cute creepy moment yeah no definitely were there any moments in this episode that really scared you there was one and it was because i wasn't expecting it <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious um, to know what it was. We actually, we didn't talk about the scene, actually. Um, oh, I know. I th- I bet I know what you're going to say. Because it's it was my answer, too. Okay. But I'll let you say it. I'll okay. let you say it. Um, in the very beginning of this episode, when Shirley's having a nightmare memory flashback. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not really sure. Um, and the walls are, the, there's all the banging on the walls. And first mm-hmm. of all, that is actually directly from the novel. So, like, yay, Haunting of Hill House, you took something from the book. <laughs> but um the moment after their dad comes in and he's comforting them and then his face just melts and Contorts, like, it's like, he's like nothing's wrong <laughs> and you're yeah. like oh god <laughs> yeah, he's like I nothing's like, wrong sweetie nothing's <laughs> and you're like oh god harvey weinstein get him out of here yeah but i had like a there was a momentary oh i'm about to piss my pants feeling because i just wasn't expecting it and it just caught me so off guard yeah i was not expecting it and i've seen it before like i've I've watched this series before and i just totally forgot about it that was actually one of my notes um one of my notes is i'm surprised how much i've forgotten in a year about this show like there are just certain things where i'll be like oh what i was like i remember it the thing that cued me in was when Shirley has the vision of the guy with the glass sitting on the couch yeah. with the drink. Um, and I was like, who the fuck is that guy? And then I, like later, I was like, oh, I remember now. Yeah. But um, I, I won't give it away because we'll talk about when it comes up. But at, at first I was like, wow, I really had forgotten how much I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, You I don't also, know what you don't know. I had also forgotten that this is not a show where you can like let your guard down, really. Because they do, yeah. do they do do jump scares and they will do them kind of at the the moment that you expect them the least. Oh, absolutely! They are very good at uh, deciding. Oh, this is the moment. This is the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they love to fuck with everybody's heads and on the haunting of Hill House. Um. So that was that. I I'll agree with you. My favorite scare was the banging on the walls. It did creep me out. Um, even just the banging on the walls, not just the dad's face getting contorted. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was very creepy that whole moment because it reminded me of the scene in The Conjuring when uh, uh, what should I call it? When the two kids are in the bedroom. Yeah. And she sees the the ghost in the corner that no one else can see. Um, it's just like that idea of like waiting to see what 
is going to happen next. It's it's that thing we always talk about building the tension and it it did it very well. Except in this one it actually had like and and not to insinuate that the conjuring didn't have a payoff because I actually think that scene was the scariest one in the whole movie, but um this one had the payoff of the dad afterwards. Yeah. Um and so it's like you said we don't know if this was something that actually happened that they saw or if it was something that um she was just having like a wild dream about who knows i think the banging probably actually happened i think that obviously yeah. the bit after with her dad was just a nightmare but it's possible but with this show you never know because they saw they were led to believe that they saw like terribly creepy shit you know that's true can't discount know. it well i'm excited to see what happens in the next episode the next episode is i believe a fun one if, I, I if i'm remembering so. my order correctly I hope it's Theo because Theo is one of my favorite characters. I tend to enjoy her very much. Um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into her backstory because it is pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for the haunting of Hill House for this week, kids. Uh, sorry for the delay. I had a pretty crazy weekend. Like I said, it was uh, I had a bunch of pride events and it happened to be my birthday yesterday so uh i decided to take the day off from recording after my three hour um pride with nazis um so we recorded today and we're putting this out today and we will see you all next week for more haunting of hill house uh so we have a new episode coming out on thursday tune in then and until then stay spoopy and remember there were these these loud bangs all over the walls i did didn't hear it. I don't. It was so loud. How could you not hear it? I believe you. I believe you. I, I know. I know. Listen, there's nothing to be. Pipes. The hot water pipes. They're old. They can bang and jump in the walls. I bet that's what it was. Look. It's over now, right? It's over. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Elon, and this episode contains clips from The Haunting of Hill House, distributed by Netflix 2018. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara, dude.